Hi there. Welcome and thank you for listening in. I'm super stoked to have you with me. My name is Philip Hartmann and Being Dad is a show for dads. I meet and speak to unique dads, asking them to impart their wisdom and to share their experiences as dads with us. The reason for being dad is my own story. I became a father five times within 13 months. Yes, five times, 13 months. I was seriously underprepared and I struggled to find inspiring content for myself. By meeting and connecting with these men, I'm trying to learn all there is about being a dad. We cover heart-to-heart topics between two dads and our aim is to inspire other fathers. And with this, hopefully we can make a positive impact on families around the world. Hey there, welcome at dedicate.com and thank you for being here. I know that many of you will be spending more time at home, potentially in lockdown or home office. And I know that times are difficult, but there's one amazing gift that comes with the sudden deceleration of the world. We get the amazing opportunity to actually spend more time with our families. So laugh a lot, build routines, spend the same time you might have been spending commuting with the kids or with your partner and just slow down. Make a conscious decision to spend time with intent with the kids. Also, don't forget to take some time for yourself. It will be worth it. Stay positive, stay engaged and be on the side of your children because we love them. And that's all there is to it. My next dad's name is Dr. David Zellman. David is 72 years old. He's married to Karen for 40 years and he has three children and two grandchildren. David has been doing transcendental meditation for 50 years. He's a performance coach. He's a public speaker and author, a professor, and of course, he's a dad. Through his work in the last four decades, David has achieved enlightenment, so he says. And I believe him. Definitely do read his book. It's called If I Can, You Can, Transformation Made Easy. I loved it. I put the link in the show notes. David is a behavioral psychologist and he received his PhD back in 1976. This is before I was born. (laughs) He has done extensive work with families and children and David has coached thousands of people nationally and internationally, including billionaires, royalty industry leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, professional athletes and performers. David is the founder and the CEO of the Transitions Institute in Dallas in Texas And his process guides people on a powerful journey of self-discovery and freedom. David feels that individuals are most effective when their intentions and actions are aligned toward the future they deeply desire and to which they make a deliberate commitment. David says clarity, purpose and self-expression need to become the guiding principles for living happily and living successfully. In this session, we talk about the transitions model, powerful concepts of parenting and communicating with our children. And David shares valuable insights from his 40 years of working with people and particularly families and children. And of course, he shares valuable insights of his own um, learnings as a dad. The session was truly powerful and there are so many valuable and amazing positive learnings. The most powerful takeaways for me as a dad were to be a better dad I have to be a better self. Live in the present, but with a future mindset. Nothing I've ever accomplished in my life did I do on my own. Look for opportunities to celebrate your relationship with your kids. I love that one. My actions and feelings are perfectly correlated to whatever my internal conversations are. Promote the growth mindset in your kids. Kids need to have a say. Teach them other-orientated or teach them to be other-orientated. The capacity to communicate with others is fundamental to their success in life. And by the way, so is mine. Be present to their being present. Be conscious of their awareness. Be conscious of who I am as a provider in my different roles as a provider. Listen, listen, listen to your children and to their world around them. For instance, their friends have a lot of influence on their kids, on your kids. And lastly, don't hurt them, guilt them, or make them afraid of me. Don't make them choose sides. All right. Lastly, please do get involved in our mission to facilitate family success. If you feel that podcasts help and inspire you to be a better parent, please do share two podcasts you love, any podcasts, 
with two dads or two mums you love today. All right, here's David. Please enjoy the session. David, again, thank you so much for being with me. I'm super stoked to have you on the show. I read your book uh, twice, actually. If I can, you can. And I was impressed with the content and the work that you do. And I thought you'd be an amazing dad to speak to. And I would like you to do a quick intro about yourself. And then we dive straight into being a dad. Great. Um, thanks, Philip. Uh, the full title of the book is If I Can, You Can, Transformation Made Easy. So uh, I just wanted to include that second line yeah. because it really uh, is a foundational piece for how I live my life and uh, my relationships with both my wife and children and hopefully everyone else. Um, so as a way of introducing myself, I'm a psychologist by training. I, I'm a behavioral psychologist and uh, I received my degree a very long time ago, uh, 1976. And um, for the first several years uh, of practice, I worked as an OD, organizational development psychologist, uh, within a company in, in Madison, Wisconsin. We were grounded there. Uh, and we ran 50-some-odd group homes and residential facilities for all different types of disabilities. So MR, mentally handicapped, uh, physically handicapped, Uh, emotionally handicapped children uh, all around the state. And that was a, you know, a, an amazing orientation and introduction to the world of dealing with others. Uh, at that time, I didn't have any children of my own, but a lot of the people I was interacting acting with were young Uh, either teenagers, in some cases, group homes for children as well. So that was an early, early um, exposure. And then uh, in the mid-'80s, um, coaching became uh, well accepted in the uh, corporate arenas. And I shifted my focus to working with executives, working with executives teams, and for the last 35 years, primarily, my work has been dealing with individuals, uh, not necessarily in an organizational setting, but for the most part, people uh, have a relationship with organizations, even if they're not in them. So, for example, uh, you know, uh, As a parent, uh, you are always interacting with uh, the medical community. You're interacting with educational facilities and that whole community, healthcare. Um, you know, it, it's endless. But um, I would just say that uh, my education and training uh, is gives me a way of thinking about things as opposed to providing me with answers. I'm not an answer guy. I don't want to be on this call uh, presenting myself as having the right answer. My job is to give people confidence in their own ability to think and act as a parent, as a as a human being. And if I can do that, um, I'll consider myself successful in this endeavor. Um, currently, I still work. Uh, I, I coach families. I coach uh, organizations. I teach. I'm an adjunct professor at SMU, Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Um, and I've worked across just about every industry you can imagine because the nature of my work, you're familiar with it from having read my book, is really not about 
technology or medicine. It's about human beings and how we interact with each other effectively. So I consider myself a performance coach. And basically what that means for me is uh, whatever the circumstances that we find ourselves in, we want to we want to find the most effective way of operating in the present on behalf of accomplishing our goals for the future. Yeah. Amazing. And that's, that's the exact cue point that I wanted to say. Um, I believe you when you say you don't want to be the answer guy, because I found all these amazing frameworks in your book. For instance, the one uh, powerful visualization, and that's what you ended with now, really, um, the future, the present, and then the uh, the past, which I I put this down in my journal and I put in bracket excuses. And can you explain that concept quickly? Because it really very much applies to family. I put a lot of family context into that framework for myself. You know what I'm talking about? So so basically, you write down um, your commitments or possibilities or your goals for the future. Um, the present is an empty column in the in the drawing in the book, and then um, though that those the present re represents obviously um, actions and experience. Or, uh, yeah, and then the past is reasons why it didn't work. So you're projecting the future, and then you're projecting the re the point in 20 years time why something didn't actually happen, and you write down all the things that could have happened. And I think this is such a powerful tool for, or to help me anyways, for, for parents, um, or in any scenario, really. Can you elaborate on this? Well, what I would like to do is just step back from what you asked and uh, share the transitions model for a moment. And yep. I think that'll give context to your question. And that is... Uh, the, transition, the transitions model suggests that we all have a past, we all live in the present, and in the present we are living for the future. So as a parent, yes, you wanna, we have a past and we've had fun with our kids or we understand them to be um, you know, special in a particular way or have certain needs, that's all past-based. In the present, you get to interact with all that. But you, in the present, are interacting with that on behalf of providing them with the best opportunity for living life successfully. So, uh, as a parent, here's a great story that illuminates that. When my oldest son was about 16 years old, we're driving, I'm driving him to a party on a Friday night. And uh, I said to him, uh, I would like to have a conversation with you about how this weekend's going to go. He said, okay. And I said, I know that you and your friends uh, want to have a really great time tonight and this weekend. I know you're really committed to having a great time. And I want you to know that I'm not only committed that you have a great time this weekend, I'm committed that you have a great life. And sometimes <laughs> having a great evening comes in conflict with having a great life. You may be asked yeah. to do things that will not be in your best interest long term. And as your father, I just want to you know, let you know that um, I'm not only interested in you having a great night. I want you to have a great life. So please be careful. Do the right thing. Uh, you know, I trust my son and I trust his judgment but on the other hand I was a kid I know that when you're at a party and the pressures are this way or that way and the upper you know there are a lot of different ways you could get yeah, pulled of course you know yeah. so I'm someone who is always focused on where are we going what's the future every interaction is about you know the experience of now yes but on behalf of something on behalf of the future And I know that when people are aware of and conscious of what future they're living into, they make better decisions and they're more effective. So having conversations with kids about 
the future, about what does this mean on behalf of where they're going, what team do they want to be on, you know, what subjects do they like, where can we go to study and uh, uh, explore and travel. Having a future-based relationship is, to me, ex exciting as well as informative. And uh, another aspect of the transitions model is that nothing I've ever accomplished in my life did I do on my own. I've always had other people supporting me, contributing, making certain things available, resources, tools, etc. I've never done anything on my own. And if you think about it, you always had parents, teachers, mentors, bosses, siblings, friends, people contributing to your moving forward and accomplishing things. And if that's the case, if you buy that, then what immediately becomes obvious is your capacity to communicate with others is fundamental to your success in life. And what I'm saying and suggesting here is that empowering children, young adults, anybody's ability to communicate effectively enhances their ability to move through life successfully. And, uh, you know, like water to the bird, uh, water to the fish, air to the bird, conversation and communication to human beings. That's the sea we swim in. And the clearer that sea is, the more effective we can be. Can you, that's very powerful because it plays into the whole relationship. Um, concept can you um get, share a bit on how to empower kids uh, to have good conversations and to think in that way or to learn to learn how to act in that way the first thing i want to say uh, as a background to that is having children becoming a dad alters everything it alters your life Whoever you were before you had a child, that was one me, and now there's another me. My orientation to life is different when I'm holding a child. Uh, it alters my relationship with my spouse. It alters my relationship with other children in the family, siblings, uh, family, friends. It all, everything gets altered the moment you have a child, uh, or a second, or a third, and As a function of that, you know, we again, we have to be thinking about where we're going, not where we came from. I'm not a fan of resting on past laurels and, and like coming to something like I know. I'm, I favor being in the moment and trying to trust myself and uh, unfolding, creating what's next. So, you know, in response to your question, uh, I think it's really, there's so many different ways of answering it. There's obviously a whole long list of what to do's and what not to do's, but I'm kind of focused on who to be as a, a parent. You know, what's my role as a parent? What gets me off as a parent and what, again, is going to be most helpful to the child? So, um, you know, there are some, some things I can offer and just, you know, ask me, stop me anytime. But um, one of the things that was a challenge in my relationship as a consultant, as uh, uh, I traveled a lot, especially when my kids were young. And the challenge with that is that On a daily basis, everything is changing at home. So you leave and you have a particular memory and you have an experience of how things are and you try and set things up so that when you're gone, everything will be okay. But invariably, by the time you get home, <laughs> things have hit the fan. Nothing's the same. Yeah, <laughs> Your wife is exhausted. You know, I mean, real life comes yeah. in. <laughs> and interrupts your vision of how it's supposed to be that you walk through the door and everybody runs at you, daddy, 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 and your wife throws her arms around you and kisses you. Yeah. No, it's not the way it is, unless it is. 
And when that happens, celebrate. But more, it's like when I come back from being away, uh, I have to remind myself, you got to be present. You got to be available. You got to provide, not take. And that's, that's not my natural way of being. I want to take. I want to receive. So, uh, you know, it, it really takes being conscious about who I am as a provider. That's, that's my job. As a father, as a husband, I'm a provider. And if I'm not, and, and resenting that doesn't work too well. Now, there are times when, you know, I'm a human being, I need something, and I just don't have anything left in the tank. I got to be able to say, I have nothing left in the tank, help me. Uh, but my ground of being where I come from is it's my job to provide. And um, a lot of what I understand myself to be committed to providing is, again, being a guardian, being a mentor, being a friend, uh, sometimes being a decider, an authority, uh, also providing some spiritual connection and awareness, being a role model, all of those things I have to be willing to provide and know that moment by moment, uh, I got to be on because there's no second, you know, the kids are watching us in such a way, they're soaking everything up. Uh, they're listening, they're watching, they're learning, they're deciding. Whatever you do, they're taking it in, and um, that becomes part of the relationship. So, how's that? Yeah, that's good. And that's the whole creating creating a life rather than changing circumstance, hey? because every moment, every minute, you're taking action based on your own decisions, so to speak, or your own conversations, internal conversations. Can you talk around that concept? I really like that, uh, especially... When there's a conversation you don't like, you can just simply replace it because you can only have one at a time. And that's a super powerful, easy hack if you can remember it. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, this gets into the uh, a deeper level of the transitions model. And what, what uh, your question <laughs> requires is a recognition that our actions as human beings, moment by moment, is a function of our internal conversation. We are conversing with ourselves every single moment, every single day. And what we have not noticed, what we have failed to notice, and it's shocking that we have not noticed and failed to notice that who I get to be moment to moment, what I do, And how I feel is perfectly correlated to whatever my internal conversation is. And once you recognize that, and you recognize that, therefore, who I get to be moment to moment is a function of this conversation, and it's only a conversation, I have choice about conversations. What conversation am I going to be in right now? Uh, I'm about to walk in the house. Uh, is the conversation that I'm going to be that um, I want things done my way and, and I've been, you know, I have certain needs or again, uh, what do you need from me? Uh, what can I do? Who am I going to be? These are choices we make. And if you don't know that the voice in your head is only a conversation and doesn't have to determine who you are and, then you can replace non-productive conversations with ones that actually lead you in the direction you'd like to go and what you'd like to provide for your family, for your kids at any moment. So uh, if you could take all the conversations that are occurring on a, on a daily basis in your head, you could divide them into two camps. One I call automatic conversations which are from the past and they're not bad but they just leave you with the same old same old they leave you with what you already have and if you want to be someone who's a designer of life a creator of life 
then there's a whole other set of conversations that you can have intentionally. And those are conversations for the future. And just to name a few, uh, what are you committed to? If you can stand in your commitments, you're leaning into the future. Partnership, partnership with your wife, partnership with your kids, partnership with the soccer coach, partnership with their teachers. Uh, Can you partner with people as opposed to express your point of view and expect people to agree with you? Um, Creating a sense of belonging and know that how important it is that kids actually feel that they have a place called home and they have a role and they have a say. Even though they're young, they have a say. It doesn't mean they get their way, but to not allow them to say what's there for them uh, leaves them on the outside looking in. When people express themselves and you can work with what they said to explain, no, that's, 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 that's really an interesting way of looking at it. But you know what? Let me present you this, and here's how we're going to go about doing it, and uh, maybe we'll try your way next time. There are so many different ways of moving a conversation forward in partnership where belonging is present. So those are just a couple of uh, ways of, and I think your question was, how can you create conversations? Those are some of the tools for creating them. Commitment, partnership, belonging, uh, possibility is another big one. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. And because for people who haven't read the book who haven't maybe thought about this so much if you talk i mean one has to listen carefully because you're saying conversation for the future not in the future it's very important to to point out that you are obviously living in the present it's important to be in the present i mean this is not a new concept this everybody knows this but the, it's important to be in the present and to have um conversations for the future not in the future and not in the past right yeah Yeah, uh, and the majority of our conversations that we're listening to in our head are from the past and unless we intentionally interrupt that stream of consciousness it does us rather than we have a choice and uh, most people sorry I mean uh, this is this is my perspective that an observation from 40 years of working with people, uh, people think they are their feelings. They think they are their thoughts Mm -hmm. rather than they have thoughts and have feelings and presenting people with the notion that they have a choice about how they feel or think about something sometimes occurs as radical until you demonstrate it. It is a quite a radical abstract concept if you haven't never thought about it. I like the um, example you're making with the snake uh, or the pen. How was it again? You, how did you? How did it go? It's, it's very easy to understand the concept once you make that. Yeah. Well, again, um, in the book, I distinguish what what our actions, where our actions come from. So uh, the results. You know, everybody wants to produce results and outcomes in life. And if you ask yourself what the source of outcomes and results is, it's action. And then if you ask people what's the source of action, why do we do what we do all the time, people will say things like motivation, need, desire, fear, personality, perception. The list is very long. What people perceive are thoughts to be Uh, sorry, our actions to be a product of. So I love doing a demonstration with people in which I say, okay, well, let's look at uh, what your actions are are really a a product of. And I ask for a volunteer. If I'm in a group, someone comes up to the front of the room and I say, we're going to demonstrate what your actions are perfectly correlated to. I have a marker in my hand and I hand them the marker or pen and I ask them to take it and they take it. And then they, I say, can I have it back? And they give it back. And then I ask them, why did you take it? And most of the people say, because you asked me to. 
And then when I take the same marker and I start shaking it like it's a snake and I say, this is a rattlesnake now, would you please take it? And they say, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I asked you to. So it certainly isn't, the, the, your response is not a function of the marker, the, what's out there. It's a function of your internal conversation and your relationship with what's out there. And that's the same with your children. Uh, we have to be responsible for who we are being and the relationship that we are having with our children and what they do. Because you, you know this as well as I do. As a, as a father, you will be tested. I mean, my kids now are 38, 35, 32. I'm still dad. I'm still being tested in terms of, you know, what's right, giving advice or helping them move forward. And there are a lot of different things that are. And by the way, my daughter now has two children. So I'm a grandfather. Same thing. I'm being asked to, well, what do you think about how we go about and teaching, training, unfolding, uh, disciplining, all those kinds of things. You never get over it. So we will be tested, we will be challenged, we will be unappreciated, we will be told untruths. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a challenge to be a dad. It's a challenge to stay in the space of creating on behalf of a future, on behalf of a relationship that, um, you know, we're committed to having. And... At the end of the day, fundamentally, what you want to be able to say is, I love my children, my children love me, and we share, share in that relationship. And uh, yeah. if, if you're acting in a way where your children are fearful of you, uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, that's a short period because eventually they're 18 or they're 20 and they're just leaving the house. So now, you know, nowadays we're going to be, what, 100 in average? My children will be 100 in average, easy. That's another 90 years or 95 years. <laughs> De depending, it's a long time, depending on how, how fast we torch the planet. Hey, I want to shift a little bit on that um, perspective that you just opened up. Um, a dad versus a granddad. Can you compare the two? Are they comparable? What comes to mind? Is it does it become much easier? Um, what are your experiences there? I, I like the role of grandfather better because I'm not a I'm not perceived as the primary caregiver, <laughs> so I have less responsibility in that role. I like that part of it, but it's harder because you know when you walk when you come into the relationship that your grandchildren have with your children, you can see all the things that you would rather have them be doing. And the, you know, mm -hmm. you, you want to impact the kid. And when the kid starts crying and everybody's trying to have them stop crying for the wrong reason, or, you know, in the wrong way, from my perspective, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think that they're doing it right or something. Uh, you know, And then you want to go to the kid, stop, you know, why are you doing that? Don't do that. That's wrong. And everybody looks at you like, oh, my God, you have, how can you talk to a little baby that way? <laughs> well, the same way I talked to my kids when they were doing it. Yeah. Now you have two relationships to manage, the mother and the child. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? Kids are so resilient. They really are. They're fabulously resilient and look at us i mean you know we we're here we're, we we yeah. made it we're okay and yeah. our parents weren't <laughs> perfect right yeah so you know i trust the future i trust it's all going to work out i trust that as long as i'm see i know i'm one of the good guys i don't wake up to deceive people in the morning i don't wake up to hurt people. I'm interested in people having a good life. And, and I think most people I interact with are the good guys. We're all here trying to make things better. 
And uh, I think as long as that's our intention, it carries the day 90% of the time. Sometimes, maybe not. But for the most part, I think our intentions carry the day. Do you have a morning routine to set your intentions every day? I am now 72 years old. Um, my wife works as a certified nurse midwife at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, which means to get to work, she gets up at five o'clock. Uh, wow. To be there for me. by seven. You know, <laughs> so she's got her routine between five and six yeah. when she has to leave. But yeah. often uh, that's really great because it gets me up really early. I'm typically an early riser anyway, but <clears throat> so I do like to swim, bike, or run. I'm a triathlete. I like to swim, bike, or run before okay. the day gets started. And I've been meditating, wow. transcendental meditation for 50 years. So that's a 20 minute in the morning uh, routine as well. Um, after exercising, I like to make myself a shake <laughs> uh, to kind of set the day, you know, something to eat and drink. And I, I have a little bit of concern about, you know, what I eat. But for the most part, uh, I give myself permission to eat whatever I want. And uh, yeah. by nine o'clock, I'm usually interacting with others. I have an assistant, uh, you know, and by nine o'clock, we're starting to interact about. They start. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, can you talk about uh, transcendental med meditation and and maybe give a bit of an intro and what's the best way to get into it for people who are interested? I know it's very powerful. Let me start with the latter. Uh, transcendental meditation is available almost everywhere in every city around the world. So there's they have offices. Just uh, Google it and it's not hard to find. Uh, a place where they will teach you transcendental meditation. And I was very fortunate um, in 1970. I don't know, I can't remember how I discovered it, but it came at a very important time. I needed to be able to focus. I needed to be able to sort myself out. I was a little bit of a mess. And... Uh, Uh, someone said, try transcendental meditation. So I tried it. And uh, it's a 20-minute, twice-a-day exercise that allows you to release thoughts, release anxiety, release things. It's not about focusing on, in meditation, you don't focus on anything. You just release, 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 and Softly go back to your mantra if you find yourself stuck on something. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I think I was training my mind, in a sense, to do what I am now talking about in a whole different context, which is forget about the past. It's not that important. What, what we want to focus on is the future and what we're going to create. And uh, I, I think transcendental meditation is one of the, best tools people can simply acquire. And it's not hard to do. It's an easy practice compared to a lot of other uh, practices of meditation or yoga or things that people could take on. It's, it's pretty simple to engage in. Do you have to use a mantra or do you, can you simply visualize clouds, thoughts as clouds that, is there, what I'm asking is, is there a set formula? Or is it just meditation, really? Uh, you know, to each person, uh, it's different. For me, having a mantra, which was given to me by my transcendental meditation teacher, and you're told that this particular sound allows the mind to relax. Huh. It's a, It has a way of allowing your consciousness to go to the, a deeper level. And then they have advanced mm -hmm. mantras, which are more weighty anchors and take you down even deeper. And um, so for other people, if breathing or watching clouds works, uh, why not? But uh, that's why I say I like transcendental meditation because it is a very proven method uh, 
and it's a very effective method. And I will say this, I have offered and encouraged people to do transcendental meditation forever. And in the last several years, several of my friends have taken it on. And of course they say, why didn't you tell me about this earlier? I did. <laughs> I did. You didn't listen. Right. <laughs> as always. Yes, as always. Uh, what else can I offer you? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could ask you all the time, how do you translate this to being a parent? But it's really clear to me. It's work on yourself and and be work on becoming it the best version of yourself that you can. And that's really what the kids are soaking up and it's going to translate directly into children. And that's really what I get from, from your, from your shares. Yeah. Would you say that's right? I definitely think. Yeah. Because look, what's natural to us is to want to express our love for not only our children, but our spouse and others, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's natural for human beings To love, I think that the absence of love is some sort of affectation, <laughs> you know, from living and surviving and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, trusting one's intuition, believing in oneself, I think that's important. Uh, you know, while I was preparing for this call, uh, I didn't quite know what questions you'd ask, etc. I did make a list of to-dos and not to-dos. So I might want it, you might. Yeah. Now again, this Please is, share it. Uh, yeah. As long as people don't hear these as rules or advice, they're just, I'm looking at my experience and what yeah. I think either worked or didn't work in my world. That's exactly what we want. Own experience shares. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is celebrate. Find excuses to celebrate on a daily basis. Your children are such a gift. Celebrate their existence. Find excuses to celebrate something with them. Whether it's, you know, they, they made their bed or they got a good grade or, you know, it's, you know, when the, here's an example. Uh, the, the kids come home from school with a little stick drawing of, The stick figure and a yellow sun on the top, you know, it's their fifth, first grade or something. And it's this, and there's a tree someplace. You know that picture, right? We all do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We drew it at one time. <laughs> so yeah. they come home and they hand this, this picture to you. And, you know, somebody goes, oh, yeah, that's really good, but. Could you put some leaves on the tree or maybe a cloud in there? You know, people are interacting with that aspect of it. For me, they're bringing that home to us is not so we judge their ability to do artwork. They're contributing to us. They're, Daddy, look, at, look, this is for you. I made this for you. Now, they may not say that. But if that's who I'm being, I now have an opportunity to celebrate my relationship with them. So I love that. I love that kind of look for opportunities to celebrate. Another thing that I love doing is traveling and traveling with my children. I go to many, many exciting places around the world in my business. And when I'm there, I go, God, wouldn't it be great if my kids were here? They would love this. This is so exciting. And uh, so I've made a habit of taking them wherever I can. And we still do that. And with the grandchildren now, we, I mean, they've probably been to at least 10 to 15 states around the United States. And, you know, we just continue to involve the family in travel. I think that's a great way of expanding one's life view. Um, another is you can talk to them about almost anything. Now I know that I'm going to qualify it with not everything, but for so many people that they're just a kid, you can't talk to, that's not true. You can talk to them. I used to talk to my kids before they were born when they were in my 
wife's stomach. I, I had an experience of they were interfering with our communication sometimes. I said, shut up. Just listen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. Your wife is in outer space with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, they're beings that are present even before they come out into the world. So, you know, if we can mm -hmm. be present to their being present, I think that's a hell of a good place to be. You know, as a woman, I'm not a woman, but they have an awareness of the child in their, in their womb. As a father, can't we do the same? You know, put your hands on. I've done it. Yeah. And, and it's so yeah. wonderful. Anyway, yeah. create that relationship. We did a whole guided meditation on, sorry, on that point. But that's true. What you say is very powerful. We did a, a guided meditation, body-soul connection with the unborn children, the triplets. And for me, it really worked. And it was really, really amazing. And I drew a picture. Or, and I, I had a picture drawn off the whole experience with like a big wave. And we were riding in. And there's a tree and there's a turtle. And every, every child came up as a different being. Or actually, one child came up as a fireball. And she really is. And all the symbolism that came out in the meditation held true. You know, the one is a turtle, the one is a, a stick, the one is just a little girl, the one came out as a, a fireball, and it really worked. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, that's, that's today, my journey is on consciousness. I want to expand my level of consciousness and my understanding of consciousness. And what you just shared points to how much further we have to go as a species to understand consciousness. How can what mm -hmm. you just said happen? You know, I don't know, but I sure love it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't need to know. And by the way, it, it doesn't matter. If it happens, it happens. And, and you just need to be in the space to, if you're lucky enough, that you can allow it, then it just happens. Sorry, but I didn't want to interrupt you. What's your next point? Uh, be conscious of their... Uh, two things that you've brought up. Be conscious of their awareness. So be aware of their level of awareness. They have one. They're not just doing life. They're, they have a level of awareness. And as you said, three children, all different. Even if they're triplets, they have different levels of awareness. <laughs> They have their own individuality. Every child is different. And they come into the world as themselves, not as their brother's sister or sister's brother or anything. They just come in as themselves, and they want to be related to that way. They have a need to be related to that way. Um, another is to be uh, conscious of, these are to-dos, Conscious of modeling how you relate to your spouse, how so important that you do this with integrity and respect, affection and love. They are watching and soaking it up, as I said before. Another to do is promote their curiosity, uh, challenge them, acknowledge their responses, you know, I think we do that anyway, but to do it consciously on behalf of learning, on behalf of them developing certain cognitive skills is important. Um, promote a growth mindset, which is learning, 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 grow, grow, grow. Uh, I think that's, that's really important. And equip them with the capacity and ability to talk about their feelings. Whatever they're feeling, good, bad, right, wrong, it doesn't matter. You can acknowledge their feelings and offer them another way of looking at something. Or just acknowledge their feelings and move on. I mean, negating someone's feelings sticks them in a place where Later on, they don't want to be, and you don't want them to be there. You don't negate people's feelings. They have to be able to trust themselves. 
We want our children to trust their own intuition and their feelings. So you got to do that. And um, it's okay to set rules and boundaries. That's who we are as parents. We should do that. That's not something to be afraid of. Uh, and I think the last thing I'll say, which I could say 20 times, but I'll only say it three times, listen, listen, and listen. Just listen. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the world around them. You know, Listen to what their friends are saying because their friends have a lot of influence on them as well. Just listen. Uh, I have a couple of do nots <laughs> that now I'll offer. Yeah, please. Do share them, please. Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them physically. Don't do that. Uh, it not only leaves marks physically, but emotionally. Don't threaten them. Don't make them afraid of you. Uh, if, if they're, you know, if they're afraid of you, they're not going to communicate. They're not going to be with you in the way you want them to be with you. Um, don't guilt them. Don't embarrass them if you can help that. Don't diminish their relationship with your spouse. Don't make them choose sides between you and other children or you and your spouse. It's terrible. It's counterproductive. Um, again, you know, it's, I don't think like I've got a, you know, I don't have the right answers again, but these are principles that I have uh, incorporated in my relationship with my family. I'm lucky to have an extraordinary wife who, who is an, uh, you know, an, an amazing contribution to how our kids turned out. And I say that with great pride that our kids turned out great. They're all successful in their careers and in their relationships. And one of the best things that I can say about my children is that they are other-oriented. And what I mean by that is they care about other people. And they are known for their caring about other people. And I think that's amazing. And uh, it's a quality of leadership that I think each of them, in their own way, exhibit. And uh, I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this is you can't buy their love or respect. You can't buy it. Um, one, because love is automatic. It's already there can't buy something that's already there. It's already present. And number two, respect does need to be earned. You can't buy that either. You can't do something and say, oh, I'm going to get your present, and, and you'll forget about what, what just happened. That's silly, right? But uh, So what am I saying? I'm saying everything everybody knows. I didn't say anything in the last hour people don't already know. But uh, sometimes it's good to hear it. It's good to hear it and it's easy to forget it sometimes or when in the heat of the battle it's difficult to do it and these are very, very powerful principles and thank you for sharing them, David. That, for instance, just, I mean, you don't have to dissect, dissect all of them but like just to, to consciously group uh, love and respect is a very powerful thought mm -hmm. because love without respect doesn't work and respect can also be gained through fear. I guess it is not respect, but you know, some people say if respect is taken, not earned. And that's a very difficult um, position, I think, to take, especially as a parent and for the kids and for the parent. I will, I will, um, you know, I know that some of the audience that you have is dealing with parenting issues that are more difficult. Um, 
And I would like to say a few words to address that as well. Please. Given I'm a psychologist and I've had some experience in working with young adults and children um, with various disabilities. And uh, one, several, uh, I used to deal with addiction quite a bit. And um, I, there, there are times when, <clears throat> you know, you want to give up on your child. I mean, they're in your home and they're stealing from you to pay for their drug habits and things. That's a pretty significant violation. And, you know, the relationship is really not in a good place. And I would say, don't give up on your child. They are recoverable. If they're alive, they're recoverable. And uh, just get good help. You can't do it yourself. You need to find the right person who can help. There are many uh, times when I'm coaching someone and they're telling me about their uh, child, son, or daughter that's acting out and disrupting the family, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, yeah, well, I, I went to the doctor and, the, and they just prescribed some medication and it hasn't worked. I said, did you go to the best person in your city? Did you go to the most qualified technician in your city for dealing with that kind of issue? If you didn't, go back and do it. You need, your, your kids are everything. They deserve the best possible intervention that you can provide. Um, another fellow I was working with, physically handicapped. He uh, had an accident and he, is, he, he lost mobility in uh, three of his limbs. And uh, he was losing hope. And he was lying in a bed and losing hope. And um, when I heard, when I spoke to him and saw what was happening, uh, this was the within five minutes, I got on the phone and got the best therapist, physical therapist I knew that I could contact. And he said, tell him to do the following three things. Can he roll his shoulders? Yes, he can roll his shoulders. Okay. Can he tighten his butt muscles? Yes, he can tighten his butt muscles. I forget what the third one is. Uh, uh, turn his head from side to side. He said, tell him to do that 24-7. Just as he's lying in bed, just have him consciously just do these exercises. Well, eventually this guy was walking again. Not a wow. Yep. And he's out of the institution. He's, uh, he's not an independent living. He's an assisted living. But he was able to recover because of his own intentionality that he was able to recover through doing something for himself rather than waiting for other people to help him. So that was, you know, I, I get chills thinking about this guy. Love him. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is bulimia, anorexia. These are very treatable conditions. Don't give up. They're, they're very treatable conditions. If you find the right person to help you, uh, I just want parents to know that there's always a solution. That's, that's my approach. We can. Yes, I can. You can. We can. Yes, this can turn out. We can get this to turn around. No matter how difficult a situation is, stay positive, stay engaged, and be on the side of your children because we love them. That's all there is to it. Thank you, David. I love you. This is amazing. <laughs> This is really, really, really powerful stuff. And thank you for, for sharing this with us. Amazing. Thank you for making the opportunity available. It's a great conversation. Yeah. I'm so happy we had it this morning. Yes, we did. David, we are at an hour. Thank you so, so much. This is really, really powerful. And I thank you for sharing the space with me and, and for going deep and for sharing 
things. And I know that you're helping other parents with this and, and that's what it's all about. I love it. Thank you. Super. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you liked this session. If you did, please share this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this. Make no mistake, your shares are meaningful and they drive our success. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening in. Hope to catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Ciao.